Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the program this week, we preview the start of the rugby championship, talk football with the All Whites and the Junior Football Ferns, and review New Zealand's success at the Canoe Sprint World Championships. The 2014 Rugby Championship season kicks off this weekend with the All Blacks in Sydney to take on the Wallabies and Argentina and Pretoria to play the Springboks. The All Blacks have gone through the last two championships unbeaten and start this campaign as favourites again. Here's our rugby reporter, Barry Guy. Aaron Smith again, quick hands for Reed. Oh, the set! It's going to be a try at the other end. Tua Luggy's going to score. Their last loss was to England at the end of 2012. For many overseas, it was what they hoped would be the start of a downward spiral. Unfortunately for them, it wasn't. This time last year, I didn't think the All Blacks would win every match in the rugby championship, but they proved me wrong. This year, I'm predicting the same. That means their 17-match winning streak, which could extend to the longest ever among Tier 1 nations with a win this weekend, is in jeopardy. Coach Steve Hansen says they talk about the winning streak, but don't let it get on top of them. We need to make sure that we are not sidetracked by it. And if we want to perform on Saturday against Australia, then we have to get now to Saturday right. And if we do that, we know we've got some talent in this group that makes us hard to beat. Since the 2011 World Cup victory, the All Blacks have played 31 tests for a record of 29 wins, a draw and a loss. Aaron Cruden starts at first five tomorrow night for the injured Dan Carter. That's no big issue anymore. Cruden started seven tests last year and all three against England in June. The 25-year-old is taking the role in his stride. Just going out there and, and being Aaron Cruden, uh, not trying to be anyone else, just play my natural game, be comfortable in my own skin, which I think I've been growing over the last few years um, in that role and, and just get another opportunity. The Wallabies have named a star-studded backline for Saturday night and they'll be dangerous. One way to stop them, of course, is deny them ball, and I'm sure that'll be one of Steve Hansen's aims. The Wallaby centre Adam Ashley Cooper, who'll play his 95th test, says 12 years without the Bledisloe Cup is enough. Personally, I've been in many New Zealand campaigns, un- unsuccessful campaigns, and we're just desperate to, to raise that Bledisloe Cup, get our hands on that cup, myself, Link, and, and the other boys. So you can see that, you get a general feel that there's huge ambition amongst every player in the squad. Also this weekend, the Springboks host Argentina at loftus Versfeld. South Africa last won the championship in 2009, and Springbok captain Nijon de Villiers says beating the All Blacks remains top of their to-do list, especially as it'll give them some confidence ahead of next year's World Cup. 
we want to be the best team in the world we want to get back to number one and to to do that we need to beat them it's one of the boxes that we haven't ticked in the last two years so we want to be able to tick that and go into next year confident uh, and I don't think it'll impact us negatively and, and I don't think we'll have such negative thoughts thinking now what the effect will be if we lose uh, we'd like to think that how we will respond to when we win. Springbok coach Heineken Meyer has targeted conditioning as one of the areas that'll give them a better chance of beating the All Blacks. Argentina have a new coach in Daniel Ocade who has selected fewer overseas-based players and will therefore hope to benefit more from having the players together longer. The Pumas' best chance of a first win will, of course, be at home. Barry Guy with that report. And the All Blacks have suffered a late blow with the centre Conrad Smith forced to return to New Zealand for the birth of his first child. Ryan Crotty's been called in as cover with Malachi Fikitoa earning a starting spot alongside Ma'a Nonu. Earlier in the week, Nonu told reporters Fikitoa has been blending in well with the squad. He's been good, yeah. You know, we've all seen him play this year and he's had a great season as well. A uh, young uh, Pacific Island boy that uh, has made the most of his opportunity. Uh, both, you know, defence and, and attack, so uh, happy he's on our side. You've had a bit of time off, are you fit and rearing to go? <clears throat> yeah, I uh, had a few weeks back at home and spending time with the family, but I'm uh, working on uh, a few skills and trying to get my fitness up, so it's been good. Do you ever worry about going into a, a game having not played, I guess, a competitive game for such a long period of yeah, time? Yeah, I always worry. Um, <laughs> worry like I'm not fit enough or uh, fast enough in terms of at this level, but um, I think you've got to work hard in terms of when you're on your own time and just trust that uh, you can get the job done, I think. Are you someone that gets, you know, when, when they get a little bit of nerves prior to the game, does that help you when you get out there on the field? Yeah, I get relatively nervous pretty much when we travel. So, um, and then, you know, I think adrenaline kicks in in terms of playing test match rugby. Um, it's great that you've got the guys uh, with you that you play alongside you have for a long time. So... As I said before, it's uh, confidence mentally and, and trusting that um, you know you can perform. What do you expect Kirtley Beale to bring at 10 for the Wallabies? Um, well, he's had a spectacular season off the Waratahs and uh, he's played a lot of time at number 12. Um, I think you know he's worked hard on his defence the last two years and he's pretty pretty sound and, and, a, and a good defender. Um, he's one that brings a lot of... Um, Attacking, you know, onus in terms of putting a lot of the balls on the inside, and uh, he's quick off the mark. So, with that in mind, and the two wings that they've chosen, to expect a bit of inside ball. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. They, they have uh, two potential great Australian midfielders playing on the wings. Um, probably expecting a lot of um, tough encounters out wide. So, I think uh, for us to protect the ball, we got to hold on to it, and I expect the rucks to be uh, challenged a bit out wide. You say Bill's defence is quite sound, but you'll still be looking to test and make sure it really is, I guess? Um, yeah, I, I think you know we've got a strategy in place in terms of trying to find the space. So, What does the Belezo Cup mean to you? Um, it means a few things, I think. Um, there has been a lot of proud history uh, with the Cup with Australia and New Zealand. and. Um, you know, I think every kid would say this, but when they watched the All Blacks when they were kids, you always wanted to be a part of it. In um, saying that, it's different playing, you know, South Africa or England. It's something where you've grown up knowing that Australia have always got something with um, New Zealand in terms of 
rivalry, but yet the relationship, you know. Um, if you take it back to Anzac, we actually fought together, and I think this is one spectacle that um, traditionally both countries should be proud of, and um, we would like to keep the cup. You've been part of this all-black setup for a while now. Personally, how important is this record of 18 straight for you? Oh, it's hell of importance. Um, you know, it hasn't been done before, and um, you know, we've talked about it over the last year or so, and uh, it could have happened before, you know, a couple of years ago, but it didn't. So uh, we know it's there, but um, the sole focus is on getting our prep right and, and uh, being ready. That's the All Blacks midfielder, Ma'anonu. The New Zealand under-20 women's football team's made history is the first female side from the country to qualify for the knockout stage of a World Cup. The young football ferns beat Costa Rica 3-0 in Canada to finish second in their group behind France and book a quarter-final against Nigeria on Monday. The junior women's side were thrashed 4-0 by the group winners France before bouncing back to dominate the Costa Ricans. The coach, Aaron McFarland, spoke to our reporter, Richard Wayne. We had high expectations against the, the French and it did dent our confidence a little bit. It was good to have the three days to recoup and refocus on the, these teams. And these are the two teams, Paraguay and Costa Rica, we really felt we had the best opportunity to get points from to progress and we're fortunate it's gone our way. What's the mood like to become the first women's team of, at any level to go to the playoffs and uh, to join the other the junior men who've done it twice now? Well, it's, it's hard to describe, you know, they're just over the moon, you know, they've worked on this, not just for this cycle, but they've had upsets, uh, you know, in previous World Cups, and to do it for the first time is, um, you know, it's hard to explain, they're just so happy, everyone is. Tell me what Nigeria, what kind of th- unique threats the Africans pose? Well, they play quite differently to us. They play with more freedom in position than a lot of teams that we're used to, you know, less structured in their position, but very aggressive when they defend. And traditionally, I haven't seen this team, but traditionally they're a lot more man-marking and play-oriented, so it's it's hard to find the spaces to attack into because they're very aggressive. Right. So you don't think your sort of uh, perhaps more structured play might actually triumph over them? It sounds like two different styles there, and you'd probably back a more structured play against a more uh, you know one-on-one, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, maybe. It's just that with their unpredictability, they... Um, you know, can cause you problems. We've got to consider ourselves the underdog and embrace that situation. So I think we'd rather play a team that's a little bit more predictable, like in England, whereas Nigeria, with their off-the-cuff nature, it can be a little bit more unpredictable and more difficult to defend with the Nigerians. They're not so set. I mean, there are certain things you can do to to overcome their man-marking and that sort of pressure, but it takes some time, and we're not really used to that. So... Two, two, three sessions is not going to adequately prepare us to take on that challenge. Hey, well, look, just personally, Aaron, uh, you've been pretty successful at this level, haven't you? You're, what do you put this down to that you've managed to, to be involved with the three teams now who've ever qualified from you know into the group stages at a World Cup? Uh, I mean, I've been, I was fortunate enough to be involved in the first one with Steve Kane. He was the head coach, and uh, you know, I think there's a predictable kind of consistency there with all the teams is that they've been prepared well, they've worked together as a team for at least a year and there's a clear structure for the way we want to play, a clear structure for the players we want to select for these teams and I think having that cohesion in the team so going forward and defending and having a lot of time to practice that has paid dividends and uh, 
I think especially in the women's game now, there's a real alignment, a real strong alignment developing between the Ferns, the 20s and the 17s with a style of play that we believe will help us on the world stage. I think it's just starting to show dividends now with both the Ferns, the 20s and the 17s getting a, a draw at their last World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen that coming through the football ferns. I was, I was expecting that it was going to hopefully apply across the team, so it's good to see that's happening. Is there, is there sort of money trickling down as well from the extra funding the ferns have been able to win? Um, maybe indirectly. So the ferns trickle down effect means that I'm full-time with the ferns and with the 20s, and there's other people like Danny Robinson, who's the keeper coach, so his time. So indirectly... And then through high-performance sport, we have a certain amount of cards, which means they get the players will get support, like the physiotherapy, medical support, and strength and conditioning support. And there would be about eight players in the under-20s who've got that support. So that's really starting to pay dividends, I believe. Brilliant. And just finally, how is the sort of the coaching advancement inside New Zealand football now? Like, are you striving for, uh, I imagine you're striving for the higher-level badges in UEFA, et cetera. Is, uh, is there sort of a more of a pathway now as well? Yeah, I mean, there is a pathway in New Zealand, and once you get to the top of that, it depends on uh, maybe your nationality. For me personally, it's been difficult to try and get the UEFA, get on the UEFA or the Asian license because of my nationality, being a New Zealander. But, um, you know, I'm really pushing for that because it's important to keep educating yourself and um, keeping up with the modern trends. But being full time in New Zealand football, we're always learning off each other and people coming in. So it'd be great with the new head coach, the All Whites, Anthony, coming in that we'll learn stuff off him. And we, you know, it's a real good growth mentality with the New Zealand football, which is good for the coaches. Meanwhile, the New Zealand footballer Tommy Smith will not play for the All Whites for a year after requesting a release from the international team. Smith wasn't included in the team to play Uzbekistan and Tashkent next month, and New Zealand football says it's agreed to grant him 12 months away from international selection. The squad was selected by the interim coach Neil Emblin, and he says it will provide the incoming coach, Anthony Hudson, with an insight into the players as he looks to make plans for their bid to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Emblin told Barry Guy selecting a team always has a few issues. We've... Uh certainly got more than 18 top quality players and you know to, to, to narrow it down to 18 there's always going to be decisions to be made and, and disappointments for people and elation for others so um, yeah I've looked at everything I, I think a lot of the squad that are in there of players that have done well for me personally in the two games that I have taken and uh, they continue to, to be in the squad and then obviously from the South Africa game that where we had a few absentees there you know your costas and um, Chris Wood, uh, Winston uh, have all come back in, which uh, you know they pick themselves really. I heard Anthony Hudson say about uh, squads playing people playing for the All Whites is that they pretty much pick themselves. So these guys are all uh, very keen, obviously. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a, it's a first time really that I've, I've would have ever been involved in having the uh, the players for a longer preparation really for for a long time. Um, you know, we've got five days at an academy that's second to none. It's outstanding facilities, and um, you know, fingers crossed, Anthony can can get his work permit uh, in time, and um, you know, he can really put his footprint on the team. But you know, I'm ready to to hold the fort if that doesn't happen, and um, you know, uh, we'll be excited about working with this and continue with this group that, like I have done in the last two games. So. Um, 
yeah, we're just uh, looking forward to another uh, really competitive fixture against Uzbekistan and a, and a top-class camp. We want to have a real vibrant, um, you know, camp where we get a lot of good work in and to prepare us for the, the next four-year cycle. Can you explain to us Tommy Smith's situation, though? He's requesting uh, not to be involved. Yeah, Tommy's, um, you know, he's spoken to the, the, the Players Football Association and he's spoken to um, New Zealand Football and, uh, you know, he's just decided that he feels for him to to become a Premier League footballer, he wants to um, concentrate on his club to try and get them promotion and also to, if his club don't get promotion for him to warrant a move to the Premiership and he feels that, you know, for not playing for New Zealand and, and using those um, windows uh, of rest uh, rather than um, coming to play for New Zealand is, is what he wants to do. So, um, you know, New Zealand football have agreed to that request and um, we just sort of move on and, and, and give other people opportunities that, that they may not have got if Tommy was around. And you know, I think that, was, uh, that showed massively against South Africa where I thought Michael Boxall, who played in Tommy's position, was, was our best player. So, um, you know, that's, that's the thing with, with football. If you, you sort of, um, you know, you, you, yeah, there's players that, that do pick themselves, but if they're not available, other people establish themselves. And then eventually Michael Boxall might turn into a, a player that plays alongside Winston for a, a long time. So, um, you know, these are opportunities that, that we have to have a look at. And, it, and it's, a, you know, you take a negative out, a positive out of a negative. And, and, and I think Michael Boxer and Ben Sigmund have got a chance to, to really um, keep themselves in the frame and, and sort of grow as well. So um, yeah, that's the way we're sort of looking at it. Um, are you happy with that decision by Tommy Smith? No, I mean it's hard for me. I, I, I never, I never played for my country. Uh, you know, it was um, whether I'd be different. I've said it before. Maybe I would, but um, that's that's Tommy's making a decision based on what what he feels is best for him, and whether we think that's right or wrong, whether I think that's right or wrong. Um, you know, end of the day, that's Tommy's decision. So. Um, you know, there's lots of players that have, that have managed to play for Australia and New Zealand and had really, really successful club careers um, as well. You know, so that, that, that's, that's not no excuse. But um, um, Tommy feels that's best for him. So uh, I think if the, you know, the press and you guys, they, they, they need to speak to Tommy about his reasonings and, um, and, and sort of uh, we're, just, we're, we're just carrying on. We, you know, we want to we just work with these players that are, um, that, that are coming uh, and uh, really looking forward to the next cycle, and, and and that's the thing with Tommy. He's just leaving his his chances um, as somebody else might get an opportunity to take a place and kick on, you know. And that's that's what that's the risk he's taking. Uh, Winston, of course, uh, is uh, back. He, um, you know, this obviously fits in with his program, and he's the leader, of course. So um, you know, no issues there for him. No, no, I've had a, had a chat with Winston, and he, he was really positive about about coming back. And um, you know, he feels the main thing is he feels injury free, and and his ankle, you know, he's no problems with his ankle. Um, you know, it was a, a, a big deal. You know, it was obviously terrible timing for us before the Mexico game, him getting injured, um, and it took him a good long while and, a, and an operation to get over it. But uh, he said he feels great now. Uh, totally refreshed and ready to go for his new 
EPL season and he's looking forward to the camp uh, in a few weeks' time. So, that's no, really, really, really positive and it's good to chat with him. Uh, you picked this uh, squad, obviously, but um, did Anthony Hudson have any sort of input? No, no, because, you know, he's just a, it is a follow-on from, from um, you know, I think people will see it. It's definitely a follow-on from the, the last group and, 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 you know, Anthony's, He's he's been great with me. He just he just said, look, I've I've seen the games that I was he, that I was in charge of. Uh, we've had a few good good meetings and a few good chats, and he said he's happy to to obviously monitor the other players and, and he knows who they are and finding out who they are. Um, but he said these eighteen get you know the eighteen that I pick get the first opportunity to be looked at, and uh, he's happy for me to just uh, to, to name that eighteen. So. I've done that off my own back, and uh, you know, like I did with the two games that I was in charge. Anyway, you know, I feel I was always trying to pick the team for the future and for the best for whoever came in, um, and do the best for the country for whoever came in. And I still believe this this squad that I've picked again um, is that. So um, now I've been left to do that, and yeah, it's been good. Neil Emblin speaking with Barry Guy. The New Zealand canoe sprint team completed another successful world championships in Moscow this week with two world titles. Olympic champion Lisa Carrington defended her K1 200 title and was second in the K1 500, while Tennille Hatton won the K1 1000 title. Both winners won the crowns in world record time. Barry Guy spoke with Canoe Sport New Zealand's high performance manager Grant Restall after the regatta and says Carrington was in great form. An extremely impressive performance for Lisa. It's uh, she actually by a boat length, which has uh, increased the the margin that she's won over previous years. And and it was such a good performance. She actually broke the world record today. So she was actually um, went under the world record, which has been a bit of a goal for Lisa for a while. And uh, she's really happy that she's achieved that. Lots of hard work, but your programs obviously uh, for them going going pretty well of producing those uh, or peaking at the right time, those, producing those sorts of times. Yeah, it's uh, it is pleasing, and it's nice to see it's not just uh, one one person. And Gordon Walker, the coach of Lisa, has also been instrumental in writing the program for the women's K four, which uh, Tennille has also been following in recent times. So. Um, yeah, so it's nice to see that the, the program is starting to churn some results and we're starting to get some uh, stability in our, in our uh, program as well. So, yeah, that's uh, very pleasing. Uh, those two athletes must be something special as well, though. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, both of them are, are very impressive athletes and uh, work hard at what they're trying to do. So, it's, you know, it's a combination of of talented athletes uh, and a good program and um, and a good coach and all, all those sort of things are um, shine forth on on the day, so to speak. If you've got a couple of athletes doing particularly well, I mean, you'd be hoping, obviously, that this sort of spreads, you know, throughout the the squad, perhaps, or you know, even even wider than that. Um, yeah, no, definitely, and that's the challenge within our organisation. We're pretty small, and we need to. Uh, um, to to, to uh, place the learnings further further down the chain, and um, so that the the younger and the development athletes understand what what the the important things are, and uh, and that that will help our sport. But you know that takes a bit of time, and um, and, and 
with a smaller organisation, it takes uh, takes a bit longer to uh, to get uh, get those um, things spread further further afield. Obviously, everything's on track for the for the Olympics. You know, your program there's working well. Yeah, um, uh, Tennille's events are, are non-Olympic events, and um, which is unfortunate. But it's, it is an, an event that um, the international canoe racing is trying to push into. Um, into the um, Olympics for 2020, but they're certainly not there for 2016. So yeah, no, we're we're happy and uh, and targeting the events that we want for for Rio. So that's good. So uh, and then Lisa uh, also uh, won the silver in the 500. I, I believe that's uh, up from the bronze last time. So uh, is there something, you know, just the form that she's in, perhaps, or something she's sort of also targeting? Yeah, it was interesting to watch the race. There were sort of two paddlers that moved moved uh, further uh, further in front of the rest of the field. So um, Lisa's really putting some pressure on on the uh, Hungarian paddler that's been dominating the five hundred. And um, she didn't have the best start in the world, and um, and that's one of her strengths. So um, you know, we're we're reasonably hopeful that uh, things are progressing well there for. You know, a medal in Rio for the 500 as well. That's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz and you can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves and we'll be back with more Extra Time next week. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.